We are Rogue Media Sports. Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Coming up on the podcast, when I sat down with Corey Dickman and Mike Hamilton, the guys who run this thing here at Rogue Media, and we talked about this podcast and the evolution of the sports podcast, I said at some point, I'm going to want to bring in guys who I have relationships with, guys who have experience in sports, and I want to talk to them about their careers and just about sports and the other side of it, what it's like in the locker room, what it's like off the court. And Tony Hayden is one of those guys. He led the Philadelphia Catholic League in scoring as a senior playing basketball. He walked on at Mount St. Mary's, started as a freshman, earned a scholarship, is very successful today as a businessman. But before that, was very successful as a basketball player, taking his team to the NCAA tournament in 1999 where they lost to Michigan State. Michigan State will go on to win the national title in 2000. But Tone is a colorful guy. He has dogged determination in life and obviously on the basketball court, in business, uh, as a person with relationships. He's somebody who you want to be involved with, and you want to be involved with this podcast. There's a lot of laughs, a lot of good stories, and just great experience. So here's my man, Tony Hayden. guy that we'll talk a lot about and a good look on the inside there for Tony Hayden he had a pretty good game last night and an exciting thrilling semifinal victory over St. Francis that went right down to the last possession well you're not going to find anybody that works any harder than Tony Hayden you're you're at Mount St. Mary's you guys go to play at Michigan State what was the number one thing about a team like Mount St. Mary's a school like Mount St. Mary's playing a team like Michigan State. They, they would win the national championship, I think, th- that year, no? Or the next no, year? the next year. Yeah. They won it the next year. Yeah. Um, but they were the one seed. Izzo was the coach. So they were really, really good. Recording we in progress. Team. Yeah. Hold on one second. Let me see here. Something came up on the um, on the screen here. Um, no, so we were there, and then my dad got off the airplane, and uh, – um, like the reporters, like you guys, he got so mad at the reporter because the guy was like, "You guys don't have a prayer." What did your dad um, say? No, he's like, uh, he got mad at them. He's like, "No, they're good," you know. But then we were winning nineteen sixteen. So then, it's funny though. Like small teams will tell you this too that um, you, you do kind of go in there thinking that you got a chance. Yes, you do. And so uh, I bet you that's true even in football where it's like always blowouts. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like. You go in there with a plan, and then um, 
the team's just better. That was the thing. There's fit more physical. That was what I learned about basketball. Honestly, was that you know we beat Georgia Tech when I was at Mount St. Mary's. We would actually hang tough with uh, the ACC teams, but like the Big Ten teams would destroy us every year because they they were just so physical. And Michigan State was like the embodiment of Big Ten basketball. Just like every rebounds challenged, every loose balls challenged. So they were just so physical, and like we're just we were just weren't we were as, we're not as big or fa- as fast as they they're, they almost like it's like a football game yeah. with them, you know. What's it like for you as a guy who, um, you, you get to that stage? Like that's probably all that's all you dreamed about, really. I mean, we'll get into your story. You go to school as a walk-on. You earn a scholarship your whole life. I mean, I grew up with you playing basketball at yep. Villanova, Jake Nevin Pavilion, Dupont Pavilion, right? Can we yep. say Dupont anymore? I guess we, you know, hey, we just just did, right? Du- the kids went over there the other night. They they snuck in, so it was like old times. Oh, yeah, we used to sneak in there. Yeah. We would play basketball where Villanova Villanova's main arena. And so now here you are playing in the national cha- or playing in the NCAA tournament. What's that like when it ends? When it comes to an end, like when the buzzer sounds and you know it's over. Well, I got my freshman year at the Mount. Um, I started, and then we. Um, we were we were like on the you know, we were under consideration for top twenty five teams. We had the longest winning streak in the country, and then we choked in the NCAA in in our conference tournament, which is what the small schools you have to win to get there, right? right? So we choked. We had won nineteen straight games. We were really really good. So I kind of thought we were going to go right away, freshman year, and then and then it, like we lose, and then we weren't good uh, sophomore year. We weren't good junior year. And then we got this recruit from, I'll tell you about him, Melvin Whitaker from Virginia. Oh, I remember. They kind of pushed us over the top my senior year. So that was that was really interesting to finally like get to your dream, like the last game you play, basically. So that was kind of a cool ending, I think. Yeah, I went I saw that championship game. I was went to Richmond, yeah. but I was in town and we went to see your championship game where I was there with Patrice, um, yeah. your sister. And who did you guys beat in that championship? We beat um, Central Connecticut State. Yes. No, Central, yes, just, just Central Connecticut. Yeah, that's yeah. the name of the school. But uh-huh. they, um, it was a funny story, though, because my, we, they, it was back when you used to play three days in a row. I guess a lot of, like, Biggie still does that. A lot of the schools still do that. You play, like, you're, it's a real tournament. Like, it's a, it's a location, yeah. and then you play three days in a row. So I had, like, my two best games in the quarterfinal <laughs> and the semifinal. Um, I actually hit the free throws to win the game, the semifinal game. Like no one knows this or cares. And then, uh, um, my, then I get to the championship. And I'm like totally out of gas. Yeah. I had played, like, so I played 40 minutes, the quarterfinal, 40 minutes, the, uh, um, semifinal. And I get like two early, like stupid fouls. And then basically I didn't play. So my poor dad, he was like calling everyone like Tone's playing great. Like he's going to get all, all conference here. And then, uh, um, and I really didn't play that good in the finals, um, which was like you had, you had a big is, you had a big dunk down the stretch though, if I, right? Well, no, the, I I so you may have, I think you may have came because you were living in New York. The game was at Wagner. I think you may have came you may have came to the game. Okay. Um, and so uh, yeah, because I think you guys came to the game was in Wagner in Staten Island, and um, uh, um, yeah. So I, I had two dunks in the semifinal. I played like really my best game of my career. And then, uh, and then I played terribly in the finals, but I was happy. I mean, it was, so that was a weird thing in a way. Cause like, we, cause it, I was super happy. We won, we're celebrating locker room, but like 
as a player, you're always like judging yourself, you know? And yeah. I was like, I, I didn't play good, you know? One of the most interesting things about you and your story is, you know, you grow up, you and I are both lucky, right? We grow up in, in a beautiful area of the country. Um, you know, you have, you, you have great integrity um, and, and you, your family values were always real good. Uh, and now you end up playing basketball with, with, you know, all kinds of different people. I, I was thinking about this the other day when I was talking with uh, the Fred Hoiberg, right? Um, yeah. You know, and the coach in Nebraska. And I was thinking, like, this guy's so much different, you know, than the players he coaches. But, but is he really? You know what I mean? Like, that melting pot that is college yeah. sports and pro sports, it's a really – it's a beautiful thing. Talk about some of your experiences – you know, growing up and, and you end up playing in Sunny Hill, which is like, you know, a league for basketball players in the Philadelphia area yep. who excel. It doesn't matter what color you are or where you're from. Yeah. If you're the best, you're going to play in this league. No, I think about it all the time about basketball, that it's like it's, it is this melting pot. And I, I even tell it to my high school all the time that, like, they should really try to create, you know, a great program, a great basketball program at our high school because, it, it, like, for life experience – I have so many friends from different walks of life. Um, it's like the it's like it's like the best thing about um, about sports and um, and they I, I always felt like you know people um, other teammates of mine wanted to know about my life and uh, um, just these friendships that you have it's it's incredible. Philadelphia though um, is I think a little bit even you know it's always like that I think for kids that why they love sports, the camaraderie and everything. But Philly is kind of a unique place that a lot of people, why? because our parents loved it. And then um, uh, it is this, Philly is this melting pot. So you do have, um, you have these different cultures that exist within, you know, you've got like the black culture, Jewish culture, Catholic culture, Christian. So it's like, there is all these different, uh, and then the, everybody loves basketball. So yeah. Philly, Philly is like this basketball obsessed town. Um, you've got, you know, six really good um, basketball programs in Philly. And then even like the D3 schools are good. The D2 two schools are good. The high school basketball is incredible. It's got to be. I mean, think about it. We've got Kobe, Will Chamberlain. So um, all these great players, they're from Philly, the tradition. It, it really is. It's like it, it's part of the culture of Philly that basketball is such a big deal. And like my dad loved it. Um, and, um, and I loved it. And so, um, no, so I, I and then, so for me, well, when you're growing up, like, when you're, when you're growing up and, and yeah. you, you go to play at St. Joe's prep, you know, you're a good player at Holy child, right. When you yep. grow up and you know, you're, you know, you're going to play pickup all the time. You clearly have the hunger and this passion for basketball. Yeah. When do you start to turn the corner from a competitive perspective? And you're like, wow, not only am I good at this, not only do I want to do this, but I'm good at this too. Well, it was funny because I, I did have like a chip on my shoulder a lot because I always felt like I was better than people thought I was. And so I, I know like a lot of kids think that way, you know, um, and it, it, I think it is sort of like in, when you're younger, it's a natural thing. And it's a it's kind of a good thing to have because that's what um, that's what drives. You. But I always had this sense that people were um, like misjudging me, you know, that like the, I, they, they didn't think I was as good as I thought I was, which, which is, I think that's all a lot of kids yeah. um, feel, but that definitely drove me. And in fact, Tom Brady's dad said something recently that I thought was interesting. Like he's just the kid that can't come inside, you know? And I, I did, 
identify when he, when he said that I felt that way when I, I just was like the kid that couldn't come inside, you know, like I needed, I was always like putting basketballs next to heaters so that like they would warm up. So then I, I could bring, grab that one once it heated up and get back out there. Like I was out in the freezing cold. And so, um, there was a, there was a piece of it that was a little bit unhealthy. Um, but yeah, that, was it though? But, but, but yeah, exactly. isn't that crazy though? But that's how, that you, get how you get good. good. That's how you get yeah. good. How much of a force was your father? I mean, he's one of the all-time characters of the Philly legend. Uh, and, and he was basketball obsessed, but he's, he's got such a, an interesting story. So he gets cut four years from high school. Like, who even, who even tries out <laughs> by the time your fourth year rolls around? Like, you don't get the message by then that, like, the coach doesn't want you. But, like, th- like, anyone knows my dad will find that funny because that is totally him. Like, he's the guy that keeps on showing up, like, to, to work when like, you know, they don't want you. And like he, um, and so that, so, but he had, he definitely had scars from that though. It was really, so then one kid, he gets cut, this dad, um, his kid gets cut from freshman. He said, Hey, would your, uh, would your dad speak to him? Because your dad went on to become successful and like life doesn't end. Like when you get cut, you feel like it ends when you're a kid. And, uh, um, so he goes and talks to my dad. My dad's 70 at the time. And this dad's like in his 40s. He's got a freshman in high school. And like the pain like came to the surface to my dad right then. And like the guy's like, ah, I don't really want to talk to my kid. You know? like, <laughs> he clearly didn't move on. You know, like he never moved on from it. But that became part of his identity. He definitely turned that into a positive for sure. Did he have some unfinished is, think, business almost like through you when he saw I that do, you I were, think that. Yeah. You know, my mom would definitely say that. I think that's true uh, with me. Um, yeah, I, I think that's true. Because he definitely he, he definitely pushed me um, hard to practice, to be good at basketball. Um, he would always be like, other kids are practicing harder. So that was definitely some of like – um, don't sugarcoat it. Don't sugarcoat it. Your your dad is one of the all time classics in a sense where he would yeah. tell you like you 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 weren't good enough, you know, right. to beat certain player whatever. And it was he didn't believe that, but but he was trying no. to motivate you. Yeah, Murph and I talk about that a lot because like you if you heard him when we were when I was in <laughs> high school, you would think he wasn't he was trying to get me not to play basketball. But that's clear <laughs> that's not what he was doing. You yeah, know? like he yeah. was definitely trying to motivate me. Other kids are working harder. Um, you know, uh, if you don't work hard, you're not going to be good. So that was like, that was a little bit, I, but I, but I never felt forced into it though. And I think there's a difference. Like, I think that's where the kids, um, that I think that's where the kids who really struggle when they feel like they're being forced into playing a sport and they don't really want to at all. Like it's not them. Like it was totally me. Like I liked everything about it, you know? Uh, um, like I loved everything about basketball. I would watch it all the time. All the I loved going to the Plester with my dad. The Plester is in Philly. It's like the Big Five games. Um, I loved going to Villanova. I went to Raleigh Massimino's camp with you when when we yeah. were kids. Uh-huh. Meet the old players that came in. So, um, so my dad definitely pushed me. That was probably part of like, like you're right. Like his sort of payback that he wanted to be living that life through me a little bit, but. But I think the reason it, it didn't bother me that much was because uh, I, I, I loved it. Like, you I was, loved I was it. With, and I, it's I weird. It. You know, if you're at all like me, you know, you don't, you, don't, you don't necessarily mind the attention. And especially, Tone, because you, you were good at it. And you, 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 yeah. start, you started to excel. When did that yeah. start to, 
that light start to come on for you? Like, wow, I, I, I can do this well, and I think I can keep doing this into college. Were there moments throughout high school, whether it was summer league or whether it was even in grade school at Holy Child or at St. Joe's? I heard, I heard Jay Wright on a podcast, and he was saying that um, he read a study that like 70% or something, it's like crazy high number um, of college athletes think they can play in the pros. Like, that's insane if you think about it. Like, of let's just say there's 3,000 kids that play D1 basketball, maybe more, and um, majority think they're going to play in the pros, when in reality it's only like maybe 15 or 30 of them, you know what I mean, a year. So it's scary. And it's scary. So, um, like, so, that's, so he always says that, that I think Jay said that he tried to remember that as a coach, that um, that these that kids have big dreams. I, I definitely did. Um, I had big dreams. I had big dreams all the way into uh, um, college um, that I could make it to the pros. Um, and uh, um, it's just interesting, the psychology of that, you know, uh, what drives you. Um, and uh, um, no, but around my sophomore year is when I thought I, I, I could be pretty good. My sophomore year in high school, and I was really little. I, I looked at my, my kids, looked at my driver's license that my mom still had. I was only five foot 10. I grew to be six, five. I was only five foot ten when I was sixteen, so I was really small sophomore year for basketball standards. And um, I, uh, um, but I started on the varsity as a freshman. The team wasn't very good, but I was kind of the best player, leading scorer. So I felt like I could be, I felt like I could be really good my sophomore year. That's when. Uh, so as a freshman, um, you, you guys stink, but you're leading the team in scoring, and you're going into these environments. You're playing like at West Catholic. Roman. You're, you're playing at Roman. Yeah. Yeah, what 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 is that um, like? Some of these hard schools in Philly, these these harder Catholic well, schools. And it was because Philly always has all these incredible players, you know, um, like incredible players. And so my sophomore year, though, Kobe Bryant was a freshman. My freshman year at the uh, um, at the time had like a famous class of seniors: Rashid Wallace, Alvin Williams. Um, I'm trying to think. Jay Lawson, who played at Villanova. Yeah, he was they were like only. this like incredible group of all city players. Uh, I'm missing a couple, um, but they were like, you know, I was a freshman. Murph and I talk about this all the time that like Rashid Wallace was like the first celebrity that we ever saw. You know, like yeah, and he and he, he definitely he he kind of handled himself like a celebrity even as a senior in high school at Simon Gratz. He had this cool hat that said uh, Villanova Law School, and it had. <laughs> It had V Law on it, and like we just thought he was the coolest guy <laughs> like ever seen, you know. Yeah. And he was incredible. I mean, even my dad. So my dad was like this. Love. He saw Will Chamberlain play live. He loved uh, basketball. He when he saw Rashid play, um, Rashid Wallace play in high school. My dad thought he was the next Will Chamberlain. He did. And in fact, that we remember saying each other um, about Kobe his freshman year that he was no Rashid Wallace, like, um, which is so interesting to think now because he he went so far beyond him, but. Um, but at the time, Rashid Wallace was like the pinnacle of great basketball players. And that was my freshman year. So he was, he was playing in all the summer leagues that I was playing. I saw him all the time. He, he was just, it was just so cool to like be around a celebrity and I was 15, he was 18. So he, I was only like three years younger than him, but do you get nervous? Do you get nervous around a guy like that when you're coming up? Yeah, totally. And like the other guy we really looked up to, and I think you've met him before, a super nice guy. Um, was Alvin Williams over at GA because I, we like I remember going over there for a game and uh, um, and I saw him you know just working out by himself in uh, in the gym over there like so he was just like a cool guy that worked hard um, 
and he had this crossover dribble that was like unstoppable. Everyone was talking about it. So, um, so that was my freshman year. So that's kind of in, in hoops. That's what you come up in Philly. That's what you come up into, you know, like, and those are like, you look up to your, uh, the older kids. And, uh, so then my sophomore year, um, I had heard about Kobe Bryant. So I went over to see him play at lower Marion. And I remember thinking like, I remember being in the stands thinking, like, this dude is, like, totally special. You um, heard about Kobe before you saw him. That was, like, such a cool part of that time. Like, yeah, you know, because, like, right away his dad was a pro. And then, uh, um, you know, there were stories about him at Lower Man. Like, this kid's incredible. And right away, like, he was getting 30 points a game freshman year. Um, so I went – I just went to a Lower Marion game. I just went to go see him play. So that's – like, that's our life when we were kids. It's awesome, you yeah, know? Yeah. Um I probably didn't have my, I didn't have my driver's license. So I don't know how I got there, you know? Um, but like you found some guys like, Hey, let's go see this. Let's go see this game. And then, um, uh, and I saw him, but I remember, I remember thinking in the stands that like, you know, he's as good as Rasheed Wallace. That's what I thought to myself. My dad's like, nah, he's not going to be as good as Rasheed Wallace. But yeah. um, so it's so funny. And then Kobe, Kobe was always around because we would all work out at Phil Martelli went to my high school at St. Joe's prep. So he was like super good to me. Um, you know, uh, he basically just like let me play at St. Joe's U. Um, so that was what was so cool about Phil. They had this, they had the main gym and then they had these um, gyms that were separate, you know, that were, uh, that were just like for the college students. And he like gave me a pass to the, uh, to the school. Um, and again, he didn't even want, he didn't want me as a yeah. player. So like he, he never. It wasn't like a recruit, so. a slick recruiting play. Yeah, no. So it wasn't like a recruiting play. That was just like, I went to his same high school. He was just like a good, he was just a good guy in the community. And, um, what kind so of players did you play when you, when you were over there playing? And then John, then our buddy, John Gallagher, you know, also, oh, yeah. um, so we were just like total gym rats, you know, like, uh, um, we were, and, and Murph was about, you got Murph was right down the street at Episcopal. So he'd meet us over there. We played at St. Joe's all the time. The runs there were crazy. Like they were, so Kobe was there. I mean, think about that. Like, Kobe Bryant, this guy, Yah Davis. Um, oh, yeah, Arthur, Arthur Davis, Davis, yeah. Um, and, like, I think Kobe even mentioned him in his retirement speech. He was, like, this Philly legend, like, <laughs> incredible basketball player. Yeah. I'm surprised. Like, he, he played at St. Joe's. Um, yeah. And, uh, um, like, he was a sort of a can't-miss pro. Um, so that was a bummer that um, maybe he made it to the league for a little bit. But, um, you know, Kobe was, like, dude, this, like, I, I remember watching him play with Kobe. Like, they were going back and forth, like, you couldn't tell who was better when they yeah. were um, when they were younger, you know. Um, those young, and, confident uh, players just going going at each other in those like summer yeah, so afternoons. That was like, yeah, so that was at St. So can you imagine as like a a sixteen year old sophomore white kid from uh, the suburbs? You go to like so that gave me this like that gave me this life. We go get these cheesesteaks afterwards you know, at the the belly fillers. But that was my whole life, and so and you're playing yeah, with these guys. Really you're pl you're playing um, pickup with these guys. I'm playing pickup all the time with them. My dad, my dad did sort of recognize, like, I had a bit of an obsession with basketball, you know? What would he um, say? So he even said to his friend, um, Billy Cunningham, who, you know, Billy was the coach of the Sixers, like, top 50 basketball player of all time. He lived, you know, he and he lived in Philly. He, Billy wasn't from Philly. I think he's from Brooklyn, New York. But he played in Philly, and then he was the coach. So he, he lived in Philly. And my dad and him were great friends. In fact, like they were really great friends. Um, and uh, so then um, my dad would always call and be like, um, like Tony's not gonna, he's not gonna make it. Like, 
but I feel like he's 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 setting himself up for rejection. Billy gave him the best advice. He's like, "Why do you care? Like, <laughs> play fastball all the time, you know? Like, uh, yeah. who like who cares? You know? Yeah. Like, it keep it's keeping out of trouble. It definitely did that for sure. You know? Like, um, uh, those are like super fond memories that I have about um playing in Philly, playing basketball. Um, when did people? When did and, you, you uh, talk about the chip on your shoulder? When did people start to take you seriously, or, or you felt like they started to take you seriously? Well, my coach, Mo Howard, he met before, too. Yeah. Mo was also like this Philly um, hoops legend, and, and he knew everybody. He, he had played in the pros. He was a great, great basketball player and a great person. And um, so he, he wanted me – it was almost like Rocky. Uh, remember the second Rocky where, like, you got to go, like, where the good players are? Yeah, you know? yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, so he recognized that I had some talent. And then um, – so he basically put me on this AAU team – that was like um, I was the only white kid there. It's you Rocky know, Three uh, when they go tra- when Apollo takes him to go train in uh, in Compton. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so he so this is where I went, and like in Philly, it's like this place, uh, Dustin Lake, and so um, and I'm, I'm like that's where I'm proud of my dad. My dad, um, like, so I was in neighborhoods that were like definitely not safe. You yeah, know? yeah. Um, and, still aren't uh, safe. And so, but I. Um, but it was awesome, you know, because, like, and it's true. Like, that's what's so cool about that movie with Rocky. Like, these kids had, like, a, a real hunger, you yeah. know. Uh, and that's what was different about it for me was, like, I definitely, like, was just all about, like, the love and, like, the obsession with the game. Like, this was something deeper. Like, this was, like, I got to get to college. You know what I mean? And uh, I got to, you know. Um, this is so a vehicle was, for me and my family. Yeah, it was about like it like it was something much deeper. No, so um so anyway, so I went there and then uh I did really really well. We we, we had a bunch of AU tournaments and I was um and I was starting to get looked at by coaches at the end of my sophomore year, going into my junior year, and then going into my junior year, I really um was playing great. Like I was leading the whole I think I was leading the whole city in scoring my junior year early and then I I broke my ankle. Um like six games in, we beat everybody. We beat um, you know, Chestnut Hill Academy, who was really good at the time. We played, um, you know, we beat GA. Like, so we were beating all these really good teams, and uh, and I broke my ankle. So, so how does that um, affect the recruiting I process? On, I was on a path for sure to go hire uh, D1 because I was scoring a lot, you yeah, know, yeah. Um, my junior year. And then I broke my ankle. And um, you missed the rest of the uh, year? Yeah, missed the rest of the year. Wow. Um, so I missed my junior year, which is like the the most important recruiting um, year. And I never really, really recovered. I remember even having pain um, going into my senior year. Because then my summer of my junior year, which is, you know, like really like can't miss situation, um, I, I played badly. And then uh, um, so I never got recruited really, you know. Yeah, um, so, but, but you have a good senior season. I mean, you're I one of the, really good you, you led season. the Philadelphia Catholic League in scoring. Yeah, uh, I may have even led the city in scoring my senior yeah. year. And um, so I had a really good senior year. And then, but by then it's like, that is true. Like, it's kind of too late. So yes. that's where. Especially that's basketball where season, the way, way, way it falls on the calendar. It's and difficult. At the time, you know, now with the portal and stuff like that, like recruiting kind of like never stops, you know, yeah. um, even into college, like kids are getting recruited in, in, in college, basically, you know, to like transfer. But at like back then, like you you had to have a good junior year, sophomore year. Like that's where. How about when? Really how happened. about in your senior year though, when you're rolling, um, yep. and your dad has everybody come down to the Bonner game. 
Right. Like that. That's a great. Well, that, that's, that, that, that's a great. That's it. you and your dad right there. That's a classic that's one. My, that's me and my dad. Where um, I so I, I played terrible. I had my worst game. But so he has everybody up. break down the situation for us. Well, Bonner was like this. Like so. That's what's so cool about Philly. Bonner had like these like like tough like working class <laughs> like white, white kids. Dudes, yeah. And, um, and they were tough, man. Like, yeah. um, like you remember that, like it was going to be like a street fight, you know? Yeah. Um, and, uh, and so we played at Bonner. I played terrible. Um, they were really good that year. Um, they were kind of overachieved. They had this kid, Mike Nestor. He remember he was sure. really good. Yeah. Uh, like he was a kid, he played D2, but he like, I was shocked that he played D2. Like if he played at any other place in the country, um, he would have been a D one player. Cause he could just like score. He could, you know, uh, um, like crazy. And, um, so I played bad and my dad's like, you know, great players don't play bad in the big moments. But so that's like, that, that like, that's like a like cut to the heart. Well, you know? your dad uh, had all these people come to see you. He's telling yeah. all his buddies, Hey, you got to come see Tony. Billy plays. Cunningham was there. He brought Billy Cunningham. Yeah. And you, so that's <laughs> like, you can see like where Philly, Philly has like, it's just so obsessed with basketball, yeah. you know? Um, uh-huh. And that's what's cool about Philly basketball too. Like, you'll be at a game at Bonner, and like you'll see Fran Duffy, Phil Martelli. Um, you know, it's really it's a, it's such a cool um, it's such a cool thing. You know. So your dad um, tells you that hey, big players or good players don't play bad in big situations, and and that cuts yep. right to you. Does that make you play even better or harder? Does that develop more of a hunger? Yeah, it did. You know. Uh, um, and, uh, and so I didn't back down from that. I think that's what not everyone can be coached that way, though. Do you know what I mean? Um, where, um, you, like, like those kind of comments can, like, ruin a person, you know, um, yeah. in a way. You know? But that's why coaches who are smart now, like, they realize that, like, you, you cannot coach every kid the same way, you know? Yeah. So in some ways, my, my dad got kind of lucky that I was someone that um, – could handle that I kind of thrived on that a little yeah. bit you know what i mean where um you're right i was saying as you like i thrived on the attention of it you know yeah. what i mean well um, even in my own growing up myself and my development with football i really responded to coaches that were coming down on me yeah. i just that i was that yeah. kind of guy I, I i loved like if i did something well i would take a victory lap and so it was good there for was me. something in me yeah. understood at an early age that if they weren't talking to you they didn't care yes and like yeah. adults get that and you if they were like, and if they uh, were yelling at you they really cared they really cared yeah and, and so i was getting yelled at a lot by yeah. my dad by my coaches and uh there was something there was something innate in me that understood that like um and probably because like they were, you know, these other, these people like my dad and uh, coach Howard, they were good to me 99% of the time, but yeah. they were tough on me too a lot, you know? Um, so, uh, um, but not every kid responds that well to that kind of uh, coaching. Honestly, I, I don't guess. anymore. My, I, I've like sort of come out of that where if somebody gives me real jarring criticism today, I'm kind of yeah. like, whoa. But then I'm like, oh yeah. yeah, that's good. Like you need that. You need truth tellers. You need people no, I know. that are going to get it, on it your does, ass. And it, it hurts for a second. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but if you, if you can be productive about it and then, uh, then, you know, you get better from it, you know? Um, so I want to no, tell so I, I felt like I was always like from that moment on, I, I became like, I think it could make you psychologically afraid of the big moments, but I, I became like, I, I hit a bunch of like buzzer beaters in my career, you know, so I yeah. was not afraid 
I wasn't afraid of the big moments in games. I definitely like I wanted the opportunity. You where, know? where did um, you find the belief in yourself as you kind of your star starts to rise? Uh, you, you lead the Catholic League. You lead the Philly area, uh, probably in scoring. And now you're getting recruited by like Division three schools. Like you're not getting that. That div- I mean, you and I used to work out together. I was getting ready to go to Richmond to play football, and and you were still training at the time. You didn't know where you were going to go. This is like the summer. Well, it's funny because I was only being recruited by D3. And uh, now I feel like sort of a jerk for saying this. But, like, I would tell the coaches all the time, like, now I'm, I'm only playing D1. I would yeah. tell them straight up every time they call, I'm playing D1. And I remember thinking, like, because they were these guys were, like, in their late 20s. And a bunch of these guys became big-time D1 coaches. But that's where they got their start at D3. So it was interesting to me, the people that recruited me at the time, um, and, uh, um, I must've sounded like this cocky idiot, you know, yeah. uh, but um, look, I'm sure they heard it all the time too, that like, that was something they had to recruit because they wanted to get the kids that were probably being missed by the D one level. Those are the kids they wanted to find. Yeah. So they were, um, but I would always tell them straight up, I'm like, I'm playing D one. Um, and I, I've had like buddies in the past. I've, I've told their kids, you know, uh, who were good players, like, my one friend, Jeff Ballister, he was like, you know, my son could have been like a good D3 player. But I told his, I told the son this. I was like, I, I, I told people I'm only playing D1, you know, uh, and that's what the kid did. But Jeff's like, dude, he could have been like have fun playing <laughs> D3 basketball. Like he just stopped playing, you know. So, uh, um, so yeah, so that's, um, I think that was. But you that had that, you had that hunger, and you had that mentality. Again, you say. Well, and it was a goal. Like I had it, I had it as a goal. I also, one thing I recognize, which has helped me in business later, I recognize this at an early, early age, like that you should set your goals high. Like, um, and, and they sounded cockamamie, like at the time, but I think that's really good. Uh, like freshman year, I'm like, um, sophomore year, I want to be the best player leading score on the basketball team. Like, you know how stupid that sounded, right? But then I did it, you know what I mean? Like, and then uh, I wanted to be the leading score um, MVP, the Catholic League. I didn't get MVP, but like, I, I definitely... I think I set my goals like super high and that was one, that was a big goal. I wanted to play division one basketball. I wanted to go to the NCAA tournament. Um, so I definitely, I set my goals like super high and helped me work harder. How did you end up and, going to Mount St. Uh, How did you end up going to Mount St. Mary's? Because I know you were recruited, recruited heavily by the D three schools, but there were some division one schools who said, Hey, you can come and walk on. Yeah. So it's what's, it's what's called a preferred walk on. So, okay. um, for for division hey, one, hey, you weren't yeah, hey, easy, Pete. I wasn't just a walk on. I was a prefer a preferred walk on, right? No, exactly. Because everyone like there was always all these articles at Mount St. Mary's that even my freshman year when I was I, so I started every game my freshman year um, right you're, away. But, like, but, you, but you're a walk on, a preferred walk on. That never happens for a yes. walk on, even yeah. for a preferred walk on. That people don't start um, your freshman year. Yeah. Um, but that 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 shows you that like I was a a kid that got missed. Yeah. Um, and I think I think I got missed because I got hurt my junior year. You know, like I was good enough to play um, Division one basketball. And but I got hurt. And that's so I missed that recruiting window. So kids just get missed like that. But the cool thing for kids like that does happen. It happens all the time that you just get missed. And it's amazing. Uh, um, yeah. So then you're then you give, you're given an opportunity. What I what I always think about like about Coach Fallon. So at the time when I got there, and Jim Fallon's the head coach of Mount St. Mary's. Jim Bowtie Fallon, who is this like legendary uh, coach. Um, you know, uh, um, I don't think he's in the Hall. Of, he, he he will be in the Hall of Fame. Like he's 
you know, one of the winningest best, you know, college coaches ever. But at the time he was older when I got there. And um, so that was what was cool about him. I don't think a younger coach would just throw a walk on in there because it kind of would make them look bad. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. like, like you didn't get, you didn't get it right with the kids that you actually recruited. You know what I mean? Um, but like what was cool about, about uh, coach Fallon, he didn't, he did not care at all. Like he was beyond that by the time I got there and uh, his job was safe. So like what, what got me in there, the team, in fact, I didn't start every game. I, the first two games we, we got, we got killed by Tim Duncan at Wake Forest and then some other team and then like, and Liberty, we got beat by Liberty, which we maybe should have won. And then, uh, so he just kind of wanted to shake things up a little bit. That's why I did it. And then I got in there and we came back to Philly and beat LaSalle. So he was just like, he was just one of these coaches like, all right, we got momentum here. Let's keep going. And then that's when we we won 19 straight games. So that was like the LaSalle game was at the spectrum, right? Yeah, that was that. That That was was it. I think it was at like, um, it wasn't, what what was the old, uh, um, there was a pl- like maybe the Civic Center. There was this old okay. gym that's like Civic no longer Center. there anymore. Yeah, um, that we played LaSalle at, and uh, um, and Speedy Morris was so good to me. Speedy was the you know famous coach from LaSalle. LaSalle. Yeah. Now LaSalle did kind of recruit me. Like so, he was sort of like he was um, he did recruit me. He kind of had I think an instinct that about me. He's like you know this kid might be good because um, I led the Catholic League in scoring, but decided to take a pass. And then um, when I came back and beat him, I played really well. Um, that was the first game I started. We won. And then he he was so gracious afterwards at the game. He was just like, hey, I made a mistake. You know, like, you, you, should, be, you should be playing LaSalle. So my dad went to LaSalle. So my dad was obsessed with LaSalle basketball, like Tom Gola, yeah. all these, like, famous players. Um, and then so that's where he wanted me to go. And then when they passed over me, um, and then I beat them. I beat them three times out of four years at um, – when I played at the Mount, um, Speedy was so it was so cool to me. He's like, man, you should be playing for LaSalle, you know, yeah. um, which is funny. In the transfer portal, I probably would have just like. Oh, yeah, for sure. I was just about to I ask you that. Left. Where would you I have gone? I would have just left and, got, and gone to LaSalle probably, I think, okay. honestly. Yeah. Because that was like my family. That was like my family school, you know. Okay. Yeah. Um, and I and I loved it there, you know. Um, I went to, I like worked Speedy's camp. I went to his camp when I was a kid. I worked. um that's where Kobe was there. And and then Kevin Hart always tells the story. That's what, again, that's what's so cool about Philly hoops. Kevin Hart used to go to uh, Speedy Morris's LaSalle basketball camp. No you way. Know? Um, and uh, um, what does Kevin so Hart say? Well, he has that funny story. It's like, it's part of his standup routine that he gets there and he hears that Kobe Bryant's there. And um, so he's like, I'm the second best player at this camp, you know, like, <laughs> he, cause that's what kids think. Kids are like, I'm the best player. And then, uh, so Kobe gets MVP, and then Speedy announces um, that Kobe had only been playing with his left hand the whole, the whole. Uh, <laughs> you may have heard that story. So like, yeah. that's what like destroyed Kevin Hart's dreams of ever becoming a good basketball player because like he's like, wait a minute, I just got murdered by a dude that's playing with his left hand, you know? Yeah, yeah. So, so you're going to these so camps. Funny. I mean, you're you're working these camps as you continue to evolve as a player. What's starting to change for you? I mean, as you know, you, you move further into your career, you say the team stunk your sophomore and junior year. How did you kind of find your footing senior year? Was that Melvin Whitaker? Come, and I can tell the, the, the backstory of Melvin Whitaker. Melvin was playing yeah. in Virginia. And yeah, he was, he was, a, he was McDonald's All-American his senior year in high school. We were the same class. Yeah, he got Not thrown out of Virginia because he got into yeah. a fight playing pickup and he, and he 
allegedly uh, hit he somebody no, with, with a box cutter. Yeah. And uh, and then he probably, I mean, if you think about it, for your first time offense, like he got way too much time yeah. in jail. He went, went to jail for four years. Um, and so. Uh, um, wow. So that was like super sad story. Yeah. Um, it made it to, to Sports Illustrated, though. Like I remember. It was, big uh, it was story of redemption. And I want to yeah. get into, hold on, your, your background, too. At this point in time, you start to evolve like as a man and spiritually on campus at Mount St. Mary's. Yeah. So you yeah. and. You and Melvin Whitaker are like polar opposites, like if you on paper, you know. Yeah. How do you coexist, yeah. and how does that happen? We got this God-fearing guy from the main line of Philadelphia, and we got this guy who's coming out of prison, but is one of the best players in in, in America. Well, no, right away he was like um, so. Melvin was a super cool guy. Um, out of uh, like when he got he got out of jail, I think like in August, so he couldn't play all the way till. Um, january and uh so he was able to work out with us and um so all fall i was working out with him just like in pickup games and um and the guy you know he was like this elite talent like 611 super athletic super fast so i was i was excited about it and then we were doing badly my um in the preseason before so melvin couldn't start playing till january and then uh so we were really struggling like we, we may have been like Oh, and eight or something like that. And then when he gets there, um, we kind of, the team struggled for a while to kind of figure out like to mesh together. But then by the end, like I think we won like 10 straight games um, because he could, he was just like so much more athletic than everybody, you know? Um, And uh, um, so that was, so like, I I knew that getting him was going to be a huge, um, a huge help, you know? Um, and uh, um, what is that like for people? Yeah. Like, take him inside a locker room. Like, if a guy can play, and he's a decent guy, it really doesn't yeah, you're matter. Taken in, it doesn't yeah, matter. None of it matters. None of it matters. None of it matters. Like, yeah. you know, we. But what's cool about it? Like, that's what's cool about kids too. Like, I remember, I remember, like having discussions with him about about what was jail. I wanted to know what jail was like. You know, which is funny for adults. Like, they don't like just talk openly. Like, so kids do. Kids will be like so. And he was told, he told me, he's like, I lift weights all the time, play basketball all the time. So he got stronger. What was interesting to me about Melvin Whitaker was that um, we were both the oldest kids on the team. He was, but he was a freshman. Yeah. So he was a freshman and we were, and I, I was 22 years old as a senior and he was 22 years old as a senior. Um, so he was more my contemporary, yeah. right? And then most kids um, uh, get to, but so like, so he was advanced, obviously, in uh, in life experience. You know what I mean? Um, and so he, like, so we hung out a lot together because we were the same age, and uh, um, I was I was curious about his life, um, and um, it was sort of a sad story. You know, like um, he got a raw deal in a way. I mean, I shouldn't I, I shouldn't even talk about it. It's just like yeah, it just is what it is. But it's. Um, Cause sad for the guy. Look, there was someone got really badly hurt. Yes. You know? Yeah. Um, uh-huh. So there's a lot, you know, um, it's just a sad story, you know, who is, around. who is and, the uh, best, the best player you ever played against? Kobe, for sure. It's not even close. Like, um, but I like, that's where, like, to me, it feels like Forrest Gump sometimes. Like I wasn't that good, but I got, to, I played against all these, like, like Rashid Wallace, Kobe Bryant, Tim Duncan, uh, Stefan Marbury, Matt Harpring, like I played against all these incredible, uh, you know, legends. Like seriously, Kobe Bryant and Tim Duncan, 
um, you know, uh, um, I saw, I remember, I remember seeing Kevin Garnett play. Um, we were the same year. He was 1995 from high school. He came into Philly to play. There was this great player, uh, Larry Kettner, who we oh, talked God, about yesterday, yeah. Pete. Yeah. Sadly, Larry was a great guy. Played at Roman, played at UMass, played in the pros for a little bit. He died, um, I think, of like a kidney issue. Um, but he was just a great dude. So me and him were on the same uh, um, AAU team. And, um, uh, and and Larry was like an exceptional athlete. You know, yeah. great, great player. And then um, he played against Kevin Garnett, but he couldn't. Kevin Garnett was just so much better than Larry. Like yeah. that was what that was amazing to me because I thought I thought Larry Kettner was one of the best athletes I'd ever seen, and then he got destroyed by uh, um, Kevin Garnett. You know, because then it just shows you like there's just someone who's you know so much better. Garnett was more like a Kobe back then. I think he went right to the pros. Yeah, he did. Um, yeah, and yeah, every so he, he was, was the guy that he he did it before Kobe, so people were really kind of shitting on him, saying like he can't yeah, do it, exactly. he can't do it, and and he did. Yeah, he did it right away. I think he was good his rookie year at Minnesota. You yeah. Know? Um, oh, a couple more and, things uh, I want to ask you about. I never played against him, but he, we were in the same um, AU tournament. So I remember like just like sneaking over so I could watch him. Yeah. Um, at another at another court that was going on, and um, there's nothing like basketball that way. Like there's really nothing like basketball that way because there's only ten. There's only ten people on the floor. Can you imagine like going to like an AU tournament for football? It, it wouldn't be possible. Like yes. if you had like. Think about it. If you had 20 football games going on in, inside, that's not going to happen. Where basketball, like you can have like 20 games going on in some warehouse and, um, and like you're walking around. It's just like, um, and then there's, there's elements that get unhealthy, you know, um, like all the money that's in there, like the corruption in it. But at the, at the heart of it, it's just like people just love basketball. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like that's, what do you That's think about salaries today? What do you think about salaries today? Like I was looking yesterday, I was looking at the Bucks roster for some reason or the other, and I saw Chris Middleton is making hundreds of millions of dollars. Yeah. Right? I, well, what do you think when you see? I mean, I think this year he's making nine or ten million, or, or maybe eighteen million. Forgive me, but yeah. you know, it's kind of all semantics. What, what is? What do you think about that? I love it though because I mean to me like professional athletes are um it's like the last like pure metrocracy like they're they're the best like that's and and, and you think about it, like I I do I want the best pilots I want the best bridge builders like so like if like that's the one that's the area like all of you know uh like what people like the outcomes that people want it's stripped out it's just like no, this is these guys are the best players. Like they're just the best. Yeah, you know, uh, it's a full metrocracy. There's kids that get missed in that, you know. But the kids that uh, um, the kid the the guys that make it to the NBA, they're they're just the best. Um, and so uh, um, so I love it. And 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 the product, like you look at like how much other parts of the world love hoops. So what do you think uh, about um, a couple more things before I let you go? What do you think about load management today? Everybody's talking about that. And I think it is. I do. I feel bad. I mean, it's interesting because like, because like I remember being a little kid. And so we did, I took my, uh, my kids down. We wanted to go see, I forget if it was like um, LeBron or Steph Curry and uh, they were taking a night off, which you totally understand. It's a long season. But as a kid, like the 12 year old kid in me, like um, I wanted to see him, man. You know what I mean? Um, it sucks. And, 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 and in some way, like, Look, that's why I think they should get paid a ton of money. Like they are, they're running a production here that is 
incredibly appealing to people. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Um, it's incredibly so profitable. If you, a, if you had a movie that was like selling out movie theaters everywhere, the people that are in the movie are going to get um, are going to make a ton of money because of it. So it's like, but if they're getting no paid eight hundred grand per performance, shouldn't they be on the yeah. floor? Should there be something that gets them on the floor, or should they be able to take oh, those yeah, games off? That's interesting. Um, yeah, no, but I but I also think like the NBA wants to have these long seasons because of money. Yeah. And so uh they could short it if they wanted to, you know, like to sixty games. Um and then uh you won't have to worry about that. But eighty two is like yeah, like the the athletes are just like you can't but look, even when you're when you're having like, you know, Hamilton or uh um to kill a mockingbird up on Broadway, yeah, they have um they have different actors though that play the lead. So uh um it just to me, it's like it's a, it's it's entertainment. Like it's a, um, um, and like the twelve. I remember being twelve years old and going to see Dr. J. My dad knew Billy Cunningham. Like so, we went down the locker room. But I, I I was in the locker. room. I was up in the nosebleeds with Ben Sack. So yeah, but you got you guys came down though. I yeah. remember. You know, uh, <laughs> so Philly's like that. Philly's just such a cool place. Um, how much people um, how much people love hoops you what's know? what's one story about your career your basketball journey that, that that you haven't told today that 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 sticks out to you that's that's interesting um well, my basketball journey um well i i did i mentioned the story about um i don't know if i told this today but um my dad actually had a picture of me playing against kobe bryant um in his in his office and at the time, I was like, it was like Kobe dunking on me or something. But it was something kind of, it was just sort of a cool thing because Kobe was from Philly. My dad loved Philly basketball. Like, so he, I think my dad just thought it was cool that I was playing against Kobe Bryant. You know what I mean? Um, and at the time, like, I, we used to joke about because in the article it says Kobe scored 35 points against me. And <laughs> at the time, it was like, I got torched by Kobe. Like, yeah. um, but thinking back about it now, I'm like, I, man, I, I, my team must have been pretty good then, actually. <laughs> like, I held him to 35, yeah, you know? Uh-huh. Um, so, because uh, he was just a machine. Like, I did remember thinking that about him, that um, the guy could do everything. Like, he could drive, he could dribble, he could shoot, he could go inside. He could do uh, anything he wanted to, you know? Um, but I remember thinking, like, because I got in foul trouble the game, that I was on the bench. I'm like, I'm the only guy that can, like, um, give him a ch- like give him a chance because he was torching other guys worse you know yeah um so uh so those are great memories um to me about um about about playing hoops you know tone you 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 you're a huge white lotus fan what are, what are you watching now anything interesting you're watching now because i know you get well, all these there, runs. I'm, I'm watching this show um bear town um it's actually uh I, it's this book um about hockey in uh in sweden I heard and, about uh, you this may have show. Seen it. And yeah. uh, um, the book's really good too. It's about it's so, and I, and there there's sort of that's why that's why I talked to you about that. Um, there's unhealthy elements that kind of run like there's a darkness that sort of runs um, whenever you take sports too seriously. You know, like that's the thing. You can't you can't stop remember that it, it really is just like it's fun. Like you know that's what it should be about. Um, like I remember hearing Jay Wright say this that. When he first became a coach, he got there and he just like loved everything about it. And I felt this like I I understood that big time. Like when I got to my first college practice, I loved everything about it. So I think if you can take you know um, if you can keep the fun in it and like that wonder that you have as a kid, those that's that's awesome. Like and 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 
Like I, we, we watched the World Series, and me, my wife and I were saying, that, like these guys are like, thirty years old. You see them in the dugout after a home run, like they become kids again. You yeah. Know? Like, and that is so. That is something good. But like when it becomes when your priorities aren't aren't right, you know, uh, that's like that's what we talked about with White Lotus that you can't fill the God-sized hole that you have. Everybody has this God-sized hole that only God can fill. Yeah. And then uh, um, when you try and fill it with other things, that's when, that's when, um, that's when, you know, bad things happen, you know? So you fill it with sports, you fill it with drugs, you fill it with uh, all these other things that, um, that aren't healthy. But I think, but, it, but if you do, if you're able to keep your priorities straight, then sports can, can really be, um, like this great relief that you have in the world and, and this great um, experience and, and, and the connections, yeah, travel, um, all those, uh, all those things, but, but you got to keep our priorities straight. And that's the, that's what I like about that show. This show bear town was that, um, that hockey had replaced, um, like the priorities in your life, you know what I mean? Like where it had become hockey had become number one. And I can clearly see that when I, I go to like an AAU tournament now um, where basketball then in, in a place like Philly takes that like becomes the number one thing. And then like your life's not ordered, pro- you know, your life's not ordered properly. So like, you know, bad things can happen. So, uh, um, but I'm sure that's true with anything. But the reason I like the show and the book Bear Tale though, is because I did kind of like, um, you know, being from Philly, it was, it, it was like the way he described hockey in Sweden it is similar um, to the way how, how we're so obsessed with basketball here in Philly. You know, now, um, last question for you. Yeah, you're going to go today. You're going to watch JP play basketball. Your son, right? Yeah. How, as a fan, do you watch your son play basketball? As as a guy who had a, a, a very successful basketball career, um, you get to the NCAA tournament. You know, you lead the Catholic league in scoring. You're playing against Michigan State as a senior. In college, how do you watch your your son just as a fan and lay back? Well, I'm like I've been super proud of um, JP because you know when so when I was coaching all the time, you you'd have to call the kids that you, that you were, were you were going to cut and basically say, hey, you should stick with it. And it was sort of a line, right? But it, but it, but it's also true. Like that was the thing about me too, or my dad, that like um, you really should just stick with it, you know, because there is this sort of benefit. The guy I work for now, Jim McGuire, has a line in his book. It's called Just Show Up because there is something to that. Like, if you just keep showing up, then other people fall away just by attrition. So um, what I'm really proud about JP is, you know, he didn't play his, his freshman year. He didn't play his sophomore year. He didn't play much his junior year. And then the dude just kept showing up. So the team went to this rebuild where they wanted to uh, – um, bring in all these young kids. They basically start five sophomores now. Um, and so then all these seniors transfer. They just left. And John's the only one left. And now he's the captain. He's in the rotation. So to me, like, that has been an incredible lesson to just keep showing up. Yeah. That, like, um, if you just keep showing up, then uh, um, good things will happen, you know? Um, and um, And so that's why, yeah, so for me, for, for JP this year, it's been like an incredible experience to, to, you know, watch him. He's a really good leader on the team. Um, he's not jealous of these, uh, um, which to me, that's what even his coach talked about was that for a senior and a sophomore, 
there, there can easily be jealousy. He's not like that. He's got good body language during practice. The kids, because they're younger, they want to be um, his friend. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and so uh, um, he's really good to them. And uh, um, so, so he's getting all the right lessons out of uh, he's getting all the right lessons out of sports. You Jay, know? Jay Leno has the best line about showing up. He says he was an open mic night comic trying to come up. And he's in this huge line in the freezing in the freezing cold, this long line in Boston to go do like open mic night, you know, at like some, right. some big comedy club. And he's in line and one guy gets out because it's too cold. Another guy gets out. And then somebody else gets out of line and he says to himself, as this young man, aspiring comedian, so you're telling me all I have to do is just stay here and, and right. people and people are gonna fall off. Like that's how I'm gonna win part of the time, just showing yes. up and sticking with it. And yes. it's that dogged determination um, and just kind of showing up that can really yeah. change you and change your future. No, that was the way my dad was, you know, like yeah. um, the coach for him, the coach was like, wait, you again, you know, <laughs> but, um, and you're, and, and when you're that type of person, you're going to have those experiences too, that like um, you're going to show up and you, and you don't really belong. But if you keep doing it, next thing you know, like you're right, someone gets injured, like, Hey, get, get in the game, yeah. you know, like, and that's and that's what happens, you know. All right, um, Tone, you're all done, so, dude. That was great. All right, great, uh, Pete. That was fun, man. This has been a Rogue Media podcast. We are Rogue Media Sports.